I think that my wife was getting her nails done and I was sitting there watching TV, probably eating a bag of chips. But I was like sitting there with my son, Sean, and I was looking at him and I said, I need to make a change. I can't do this to him. I can't be this father. I am not this father in my head. I know who I am as a person. And I want that to show on my exterior. All right, Matt, glad you're here. So what made you decide to start running a 5K how many days in a row? Um, so tonight will be uh, 1,039th day of running the 5K. That is insane. Um, it is insane. It's uh, it's not normal, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Then so what made you do notice. that for the first time? Why did you decide to do that? Um, it was right, right as COVID was starting mm -hmm. and it was like a high stress time period for me. And my, I had a growing family at the time and I just wanted to get out there and really just, just de-stress myself. And the first night that I did it, I did it around nine o'clock at night after putting the kids to bed and I got this rush from it. Yeah. And I, I just, I just said, this is what I want to do. I didn't set out to do this for three years but um it just it just accumulated and accumulated and then i said wow this is kind of a streak now and then as it got bigger i i noticed the streak more and kind of catered to it yeah i mean a thousand days in a row is amazing i mean that's that's crazy are you or has your physicality changed over these past three years or were you always in really good shape Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm in the best physical shape of my life. And, and you know, I, you know, that's something to be said, because I, I was in the military for a period of time. And uh, I had very physical jobs in the past. And, mm -hmm. and I'm by far in the best shape of my life now at 37. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, I've been talking to, I'm 35. You got me by two years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're both we're both aging gracefully. I guess so. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of military guys recently. What um, what did you do? Marines, Army, Navy? I was uh, in the Navy. Uh, I was stationed in Virginia Beach, and I, I lived on a destroyer, USS Mitcher, wow. DDG-57. I was I was on there for four years. I, I lived on the ship, and uh, it, it was a definitely, definitely something that helped me turn into an adult very quickly. Um, and what I utilized age did you start that? With, that? Oh God, I was, I was not 18. I was, mm -hmm. I was 21. I, I was a little bit older. As a matter of fact, when I went in, the, the guys that were younger than me, they called me dad because I was old to them at 21. Wow. Just, which is something to say at 37. Yeah. Yeah. Geez. So, so that's, that's still pretty young. And, and you said four years on a destroyer. Where did, I'm guessing you had some some breaks. I mean, they let you go home a few, few times. I, right? I went. I, I got to go home probably around a, a one week a year, if that. It was a very hot period of time for the wars, so we were okay. constantly deployed and constantly training. Um, I didn't see see much of anything else besides the ocean and that ship for that four years. Jeez. Yeah. What were the living quarters like? What was the sleeping quarters like? 
Oh, the living yeah, quarters. I mean, I'm guessing we're not no master suites, right? Oh no, it was uh, definitely. <laughs> uh they call them like coffin beds they're, yeah. they they're the shape of a coffin and they're stacked three high on each other everyone's packed into this uh compartment it's called a birthing and uh everyone's stacked three people high and uh and uh, one of my reels i actually i explain how that worked and why the junior guy has to sleep on the bottom rack the bottom bed because mm -hmm. of the flooding the 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 birthings will flood consistently so they give wow. the, the bottom racks to the junior guys so that they can <laughs> they can so uh, if it floods they get screwed yeah so the most senior guy is the <laughs> highest up and you know that you know how those so if you're the work. most yeah if you're the most senior you don't get to be covered in ocean water when you sleep exactly exactly oh yeah. my god Four yeah. years of that. That's a lot. My, um, I have a couple of family members who, who did the military. My sister went to Afghanistan for four years. Um, she was in intelligence. My brother, he lucked out. He's in Hawaii right now. Oh, so, how did he manage that? Well, I talked to a recruiter. Um, he can't, he, he's, he does this like a side hustle where he rents out bobcats and stuff. So I was digging up my backyard and he's an army recruiter in the area. And he was saying they're having so much trouble recruiting people that, now, if you want to get into the military, you can just say, like, wherever you want to go, and they'll send you there. So my brother said his first pick was Hawaii, and they're like, okay, sure, you can go to Hawaii. My wow. sister wanted to go to Hawaii, and they sent her to Afghanistan, so she didn't get quite as lucky. Oh, man. And when did he go in? Um, was this recent? Or? Yeah, like a year ago. Okay, yeah, that makes sense because I've actually been reading that they're ha they are having trouble finding people to go in. Um, mm -hmm. Not because they're not intelligent enough, but they're not fit enough to handle. Uh, yeah, it. yep. Um, that, I'm seeing that more and more. That that it's just, it's just something that people can't handle. I, I mean, it's it's sad and it's it's scary a little bit to me. Um, I hope that uh, the younger generation can figure those things out. Um, yeah, and that's. I mean, did you see that when you were in the military, or is that something that's drastically different now? You know, I, I went in in 2005, um, and at that time, it was starting, I think, that people were just carrying around a little bit of extra weight on them, more so mm -hmm. than when we were younger than that, I guess you mm -hmm. could say. And I think that it's progressed over the years to a point where it's a problem, definitely a problem for the military. No, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. right now we're obviously in more of a... Uh peaceful relatively period and i would hate to see you know man if there's a draft and all these people get torn off their iphones and thrown into a boot camp what would happen well they might give me a call back i don't know <laughs> i don't who knows who knows so i i wanted to ask you something sure you have nine brothers and sisters that I, I, um I i'm one of nine i have eight brothers and sisters wow i mean i'm jealous of that that's something that i always wanted just the camaraderie of that. Yeah, it was camaraderie at times, and it was fighting at other times. But <laughs> all now, learning experiences, though. Yeah, for sure. We had yeah. a uh, we grew up in a two bedroom house, um, so I shared my bedroom with four other brothers, and then my sisters they all slept in a room, and then my parents slept downstairs, one bathroom. Um, but like the thing is, like if we were if my parents were millionaires and we lived in a mansion and everyone had, you know, their own 
rooms on separate sides and never had their own bathroom. Like it, we would have thought that would have been great, but we wouldn't be nearly as close as we are right now. Oh, absolutely. And, and you probably wouldn't appreciate the things that you have and, um, and, and any, and any type of way at all. I, I, you see that a lot. I, I think people who, who had that type of lifestyle growing up, they don't appreciate things as much as you or maybe I do who didn't have those things growing up. So you, you definitely made a good point there. Yeah, I mean, when I was little, you know, I thought anyone that had their own bedroom was a rich kid. So, you know, I'd have my friend, we, we went to, uh, my parents sent a, even sent us all to Catholic school. Um, so any of my friends I'm there- I'm a Catholic schooler as well. Any of my friends there that had their own bathroom or their own bedroom were like, oh, you know, I'd go over to my friend's house, we'd visit, and they had their own room with their own posters on the walls. I was like, oh, this kid's rich. You know, that was just yeah. the thing oh, we yeah. thought. I thought I, I heard that in one of your podcasts, and, and I wanted to mention it to you because I grew up with a family. Um, one of my childhood best friends was from a family of nine, and yeah, I, I had such a good time with them. I mean, I was jealous of the camaraderie that they had, uh, and I, and I partook in that, being one of you know, I was just over there all the time, just just feeding off of that energy of nine mm -hmm. children in the house. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely energy. I mean, we especially in like a small space like that, and we that was back before. Like, I was so lucky you two to grow up before cell phones. You know, I mean. At nighttime, we would just run around the neighborhood, cause chaos. We, we would play a game called Release, where you would like run around at night, no flashlights or anything. I don't even remember how it was played anymore. But it, we, we had like 30, 40 neighborhood kids running around all hours of the night. My mom would go out onto the porch and just scream. We could hear her from like a mile away. Somehow we would hear her and run home. Like, And I'm like, man, those were such magical, amazing times for kids. What like, a time to be alive. That's that's how I see it. And I, I grew yeah. up the same way. And, and I am so sad when I see children these days that are isolated like they are. And during COVID especially, I mean, I really had a hard time seeing children just cooped up in the house all the time. And they got so used to it that their social skills suffered. And uh, I'm sure that you saw that too. And I, I was working with my children during that time with, with social cues and, and how to speak to other children and how to speak to another adult. Um, you know, just, just normal social cues that you would get as a child anyway, mm -hmm. that probably your children and definitely mine were not getting during COVID. And uh, that, that, yeah, that was a scary time. And it's, it's still scary. I think that, that the children these days would benefit from a lot of the ways that we grew up, but it's a different time. It would, it, it'll never be like that ever again. Yeah. I, I hope that that's not entirely true, but it probably is true. Um, and like we as dads can, um, put our kids in situations that help combat that. How, yes. how old are your kids? I have a four year old Sean. Yeah. Um, he's my oldest. And then I have my middle child is Liam. He's two. Mm -hmm. um, he's a ball of fire. And uh, I have I have a four month old Jack. Wow. Yeah. Hands full, just like you. So three boys. Yep. My three sons. My All three two sons. years apart. 
all two years apart. I, I think that's how the boss planned it. Um, and you know who I'm referring to when I say boss. <laughs> yeah, you know, the boss planned it that way, I think. My wife. That's a, See, we had nine, like I said, nine kids in our family growing up, and every single one of them was two years apart all the way down. Did you yeah. like it that way? Did, did you? Yeah, I mean, as yeah, I would. I, I enjoyed it because we were able to do so many things together at similar stages in our life. Like the older kids, like the order went like boy, 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 girl, boy. So like the older boys all kind of grew up um, in like all of us who were in a chunk, all kind of grew up doing the same type of thing together. Like we all played sports together. We were on the same sports teams. Our Catholic school was so small that, um, like my oldest brother's class had three kids in it. So they just merged it with the class underneath. Like those, so my oldest two brothers like even went to school together in the same grade, pretty much. Um, so it was nice being able to share phases of life together. Uh, but right. the um, and like the oldest compared to the youngest now are, are in complete, completely different stages of like. like life the youngest is the one who's in hawaii you know he's single he's he's living it up there right now and the yeah. um the oldest you know is 39 he's got four kids he's successful in what he does and it's just so like between the ends is very different but within there everyone has like their own relationships and their own phases of life and own their own things they were able to do with each other so yeah i i would prefer that over a huge span um, of years between, like, I know some people that have the, like they're 18 and their younger brother is like eight, like that. Right. That's a completely different type of relationship than if you're 18 and 16. Right. Right. Exactly. And that, and that makes me feel good about the, uh, the distance with my children. Cause I see the bond that they have and, uh, you know, there's just little special moments that I see that really get me going. Cause I, I just love being a dad and I know that you do too. But I'll be in the other room and I'll be cooking and they'll have some alone time amongst each other. And I'm, I'm really talking about my four-year-old and my two-year-old right now. But they'll start speaking to each other like <laughs> really like brothers. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's just how they speak amongst each other when they don't think anyone's listening. Yeah, I hear that bond start to develop and I just start smiling because I, I know that it, that that spark is happening. The one that you were saying with your brothers, like that bond it's starting out and uh at least i know i'm doing one thing right keeping getting keeping them close and and oh together oh my god yeah i you mean know? that's there it doesn't like for fathers if we always put so much pressure on ourselves to achieve and do do certain things but if you're raising happy kids like that's an amazing accomplishment so many kids are miserable so many kids parents you know you you go to the restaurants and there's four people at a table, everyone's staring at an iPad and phone and doesn't talk to each other. You know, some kids awesome. grow up, some kids grow up like that. Like if yeah. you are raising happy kids that like each other and love each other and that are friends, I mean, in a way, like you've won, man, like you've, you've done an amazing thing that so many kids will never experience. Yeah, that's a good point that you made. And I would go out on, go out on a limb and say that that is the most important thing. Because if you don't have that, Let's just say, let's just say you weren't happy. Let's just say your children weren't happy, but you were a millionaire. I mean, is that successful? I, I wouldn't say that that's successful. I mean, at least for me, that's not what I'm striving 
for my kids to have. I'm not striving for my kids to be millionaires. Um, I don't see that as the pinnacle of success, and I'm, I'm sure that you agree with me. I, I see uh, moments in time shared together in a genuinely happy way with deep connection is probably the epitome of, of uh, a successful life lived. Absolutely. And, you know, having five-year goals is one thing, and it's important, but the daily interactions that we have with our kids, with our wife, and the kids have with each other, they accumulate, and they're important in and of themselves. Like the, the interactions they have at dinner time, where they're happy with each other, where they're talking, those are super important. And those multiplied by 100 times a day, times 365 days of a year, times 18 years, like you just grow happy people. And if the world, if our country had more happy people in it, like we wouldn't have as many problems and the world wouldn't have as many problems. So like if every father just made sure that happened in their house, how quickly could the world change? Right. And and they see it. The, the children see what, what the world is like. I mean, even at a young age, I'm sure they see um, how it is out there. But what you and other fathers and, and me as well, obviously, can do about that is change the climate of, of how we live in our own homes so that they know, hey, this might be what I see out in the world, but that's not how we do it at my house. And that's not how we live. And I like how we live. And hopefully they can keep that as they get older. And then when they have children, then, then they can spread happiness to their children and have a happy household. And that, at least that's two households in the world that are, that are not unhappy. Yeah, it's like anything you do. I mean, it's like, you know, creating good financial habits. It's, you know, if you splurge today, it's not a big deal. But if you splurge two times a week, 52 weeks a year for 10 years, then guess what? Maybe you can't retire. Right. You know, it's it's daily things, daily habits that accumulate and become, they either compound positively or they compound negatively. Yep. And you just need to prioritize uh, what's important to you as a father and... I, I just want to say, at least for me, what the most important thing for me is making time for my children, but also leading by example. Uh, and I'm a huge advocate for leading by example and not just saying to my children, this is this is the key to life. This is how you live. And then whatever I said to them is the opposite of how I live my life. I mean, and I never want it to be a walking contradiction for my children. So I, I really made made it important to show them like, hey, I tell you to do this because I do it myself. Um, you know, you know what I'm trying to say by that? Absolutely. Just I mean, you're and whenever you are getting out there and running every single day, I mean, that alone could transform their life. You know, if you think about how important um, or how devastating you know, obesity is to kids. You know, if you if you go to the park and you see an eight year old who's like a hundred pounds overweight, you know, for up for me around here in, in Pittsburgh, you know, it's if we go to the local amusement park, Kennywood, you know, you'll see a lot of obese people and a lot of obese kids that can barely walk and how devastating that is to their body. Forever. I've been to Kennywood. <laughs> so, go ahead how, with your Yeah, we gotta talk about that. And then um how devastating that is to their emotions, their their relationships. 
And I mean, if your kid can even just watch you run every single day, then that is a huge part of who they are now. You know, yeah, they... absolutely. And, and, you know, there's been times where like, I, I, I obviously I'm a firefighter. I don't know if we, we talked about that yet, but I work, I work two 24 hour shifts a week and I miss my children dearly when I'm at work. Uh, we FaceTime all the time, but you know, it's not the same as being in person and, and I have to stay overnight there, obviously. And, um, my wife will sometimes text me and say, Sean, sometimes I run without a shirt in the summertime and my wife will say, Sean, Sean is taking his shirt off and running circles around the house because he says that he wants to be just like you. And, and again, mm -hmm. that I, I know that I'm doing something right by instilling those types of values in him. He knows it's important to exercise. He knows it's important to eat healthy. I've never told him those things. I, I've just lived my life in front of him. And uh, I think that that's, that's the way to, to open up their mind to these things is just do it yourself. If you want your child to do it, then you should do it yourself as well. Uh, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite to your children and, and don't contradict yourself and, and always be honest with your children. And I know that you you uh, you exercise with your kids, too. I know that it's important yeah. to you, right? Yeah, we've kind of always done it. But over the last month, it was honestly my son's idea. Um, we were out. I was practicing. He has many goals. And one of his goals is that he wants to be a professional basketball player. Um, Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, if that's true, I said, if you honestly want to do that, then guess what? I said, we have to practice. And, you know, whether he hits that goal or not doesn't matter. The lesson is that you have to work at something if you want an outcome. So I took him at night, you know, before bed to um, the local court. We were practicing outside. And then he also does CrossFit with my wife. Um, oh, your so wife is a fellow CrossFitter. Yeah, my wife does CrossFit every day at 5.30 a.m. And then my two kids do kids CrossFit twice a week at the CrossFit class. So he knows all the all the CrossFit exercises. So just randomly, we were 30 minutes into practicing. And he's like, Dad, I want to work out. I was like, okay. I was like, okay, I'm not going to say no to that. So I said, okay, go ahead. And then he just went through this 30-minute CrossFit routine. He's doing like burpees on the cement. He's doing push-ups, sit-ups. Like I was just sitting there watching. I was like, what's going know. on right now? And I, I was, he was so intense. He was like giving me high fives. And then he goes, dad, we're going to make a pact right now. I said, what? Like, I'm just observing this happening. He like was so, had so much aggression and masculinity running through him. I loved it. That's awesome. um, and he said, we're going to work out every day for a year. So I said, <laughs> I said, okay, I'm in. He's like, we're, let's do a spit oath. I said, let's do it. You know, even though it's gross, I don't care. I'm not going to back down. I'm only going to encourage those kind of thoughts. So I said, Psh, you know, we did a spit oath and we're on day like 38, 39 right now. He's and sticking we... to it. That, yeah. That's great. That's great. I mean, it, it's showing that he's persevering through through what he wants to do. He's not just starting something and stopping it. And I'm sure that he's gotten that from his parents, you know, or you in particular, like that. I'm going to start this and I'm going to keep going. And, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. And there's still times when he needs encouraged, you know, if, if we still have to be parents, you know, he, he, he has never been as motivated as he was that first day. Um, and that's normal, but that's part of the lesson. Like over this, over these 365 days, he's going to have many lessons about, 
you made a goal, you made a pact, this is what a commitment's going to feel like. Right. So th during the hard times, I talked to him about, you know, when he's really sleepy, he really doesn't want to do it. I said, Nathan, you know, we made a pact. I said, we made a commitment. Do you want to break that right now? What Or do you want to do it? And what do you think you're going to feel like and look like and be able to do if for 365 days you work out every single day? He's like, and if I talk to him like that, if I get him thinking long term, yeah. then he will get out of bed and he'll do the workout. Yeah. He, he wants to know what the 365 days will do to his body, I'm sure. And uh, I hope that he's able to find that out. Uh, I'm going to be watching for that. So when you when you bring this up again in your later podcasts, um, I'm, I'm excited to see if he sticks to it. I hope he does. I I really do. I mean, it's good yeah, to see I mean, stick to something. Absolutely. At and that just, young age. And whenever the kids are growing at this age, like they have so many, they either grow exponentially good or bad, depending on what their habits are. So, you know, if he's working out every single day and, you know, we're not lifting weights or anything. I mean, we're doing, and CrossFit, he lifts weights uh, safely, but we're doing, you know, sit-ups, push-ups, burpees, body weight squats. Yeah. Um, so if he does those things, I mean, he's could really transform, you know, his athleticism over the next year. So I'm, yeah, Absolutely. I'm excited. We took some before and at we took took some before pictures. We'll take some after oh. pictures. Oh, you and... went all out. You 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 did all, you did all the whole nine. Everyone yeah, loves so and afters. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So I mean, he's got it in his mind. You know, he wants to have like a uh, an eight pack. So it's it's kind of hard for a uh, a nine year old. He'll be nine then to have an eight pack. But you know, it's okay. Have have high Probably. goals and we'll be good. It's probably the most possible to do that at his age right now. And at no other time in his life would that be even remotely possible. But maybe right now. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I I um I I started a lot of this weight loss journey because uh I after the military, I I started struggling a little bit mentally and and physically i mean it it goes hand in hand and don't we all have a, at least one time in our life where we're really struggling and uh during that time uh you know i i, I had a, a dose of ptsd from uh from a, a few things that had had uh happened to me and i gained a lot of weight mm -hmm. and i knew I, I gained a lot of weight i didn't want to look in the mirror i didn't want to face it um, and I didn't face it for quite a while, probably around three years or so. And then I started having children and that really puts the mirror right in your face consistently because when your child is looking at you, it, it's the mirror that, you know, you, you really care what that mirror that's looking at you, your child, you really care what they think. And you want to, you want to be the best version of yourself for them. And I was not. So I looked at my first son, Sean, and he was still an infant at the time, maybe five or six months. And I was probably at my heaviest at that point, still struggling mentally. And um, I, I was probably 295 pounds. And I said, what type of father would I be for this child being the way that I'm being and looking the way that I'm looking and I just looked at him and I said, I'm not going to allow this for you. You know, I could do it to myself. We could always do it to ourselves. You know, if, if it was just us and we had no one else, 
you can justify um, doing that to yourself, but your child has nothing to do with what, what, what you've gone through before they were born. And I didn't want to carry those struggles into fatherhood and let it seep into my children's head in any way, in, in, in any negative way. And uh, that was the catalyst for a lot of this, pretty much all of this craziness was that. And I got up that day and I made the change and I made no excuses because I, I wanted to be the hero for my children that I knew that they would need. And uh, I'm proud of that. And I, I'm, I'm excited to be on here to just, even if there's one person out there that sees this, that, that feels like they're overweight or they're, they're, not, they're not showing up the way that they would want to for their kids to the point where they're, they're, they're ashamed when they're laying in bed at night by themselves. They're, they're ashamed of what they're doing. I'm, I just wanted to come on here and say that, that you can change. I mean, it's not like you're stuck that way. And whatever you feel like you're, you're doing negatively for your kids with those, those toxic coping mechanisms that, that you might have, I'm talking to people out there and in, in, in the world. Um, you don't have to stick with those things. That's not a forever thing. And I feel better mentally and physically now than I ever have in my life. And I'm just hitting my stride, just as my children are 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 starting to get in their really formative years. And I'm so happy for that that I that I did it. Now I can look back and say, wow. If I didn't do that, I, I would be this or that and, and, and I'd be 300 pounds. I'd be still using toxic coping mechanisms to get through uh, mental illness. And I'm glad that I asked for help too. And, and before I came on here, I did my due diligence and asked other fathers at the firehouse, at my CrossFit gym, out and about in the neighborhood. Like, what do you feel is the biggest issue affecting fathers of today. And I, I got a lot of feedback, but the one, the one thing that I did hear the most is that fathers have so much on their plate and they feel like they're putting it all on their own shoulders by themselves and they feel like they need a friend. They need another friend that understands, like another father that can understand and another father that they can speak to. And, uh, in the future, I, I, I'd like to make a group online of, of fathers that are just um, there for a helping hand for another dad that's going through similar things that the other father might have went through in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, the isolation and the lack of friendship between grown men, I think, has changed over the years. Um, I'm sure, did your father have many friends? I mean, in social situations, he probably did through church and school and people he could talk to. Yeah, I mean, his his group of friends was um, probably, you know, relatives and church friends. But he had someone that he could speak to that that he knew had his best interests at heart, you know, in, at heart. Like they they wanted to see him succeed. And uh, he could go to them and probably confide in them and trust their opinion. Um, I think that that's lacking in this in this um, in this time period for fathers. Really, I, I just go ahead. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, that's a, I talk about that a lot as a guy's need for friendship. Um, so let's go back to you, you personally. Um, you so you said you were two ninety, right? Yeah, I was like two ninety three. What do you weigh now? Um, I I fluctuate between like one eighty eight and one ninety three. So you lost like a hundred pounds. I lost a hundred pounds. Yeah, I lost it very quickly. I I was very maniacal in the way that I approached it. Um, I'm a now, city kid. Was was this all? So before. Did almost all of this happen during your running? Like, was this, were you 290, then you decided to start running every day? No, actually, actually, I I had that moment with my son, Sean. It was this, I, I remember the day and everything. It was a mm. Saturday afternoon. Um, I think that my wife was getting her nails done and I was sitting there watching TV, probably eating a bag of chips, but I was like, sitting there with my son, Sean, and I was looking at him and I said, I need to make a change. I can't do this to him. I can't be this father. I am not this father in my head. I know who I am as a person. And I want that to show on my exterior. And um, I made that decision then. And when my wife came home, I said, I'm going to go to the grocery store. But all the while, I knew in my head, after I had went to the grocery store, I was going to stop by the nearest CrossFit gym and see if they would accept me. And I didn't know anything about CrossFit or working out like that at all, to the point where I thought that you had to try out to go into a CrossFit gym. Hmm. I walked in. It was a Saturday at 6 p.m. And if anyone who goes to CrossFit knows that they're not open at 6 p.m. on a Saturday. They're, they close very early on the weekends. But I didn't know that. I didn't check the hours. I just showed up cold. And uh, I knocked on the door, and there was two people in there uh, sweeping up the gym. And I said, hi, I'd, I'd like to try this out. And they said, okay. And I said, I don't know. Am I too big to do this? Will you accept my will you accept me into this gym? And they started to laugh. And I didn't know that they would accept anyone. Um, but I did a workout right then and there. She, she asked me, this, this coach asked me, have you ever done CrossFit? And I said, no. And she said, uh, I'm about to do a little workout. Why don't you do it with me? And I said, sure. And that was my first time. That was, that was the start. And from that day until today, which I think has been about four years. Um, I've worked out every single day, um, maniacally, like like a crazy person. Probably to the point where it's negatively affected my my fitness. Oh, and too much. Too yeah. I mean, there is a there is a line where it's too much. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm in that line right now <laughs> you know, with the streak and everything like that. But that's how it started. And it was more like I, I struggled mentally and it was it was a lot of trauma in my life. I have a long list of things that have happened to me. And obviously we don't have enough time to get into all of them, but it, it affected me mentally. And I wanted to get out of that 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 place for my children, especially. What caused the weight gain? You mentioned PTSD and I just talked to. Um, I did recently, I've had a number of mental health specialists on that those podcast podcasts have still yet to come out, but, and I found a lot of troubling 
statistics and things about guys leaving the military. One of the problems I didn't know existed was, you know, guys are overseas and then and then their li their wives take their families from them while they're gone. I didn't know that was a thing. It also I happens know. also happens vice versa. I just and I couldn't imagine that was a problem. I don't know. I'm I don't think that's I don't know what exactly your situation was, but what caused that huge weight gain for you between military and you know your your first well, child well i pretty much looked like this in the military how how you mm -hmm. see me now i mean you know give or take five or ten pounds not in as good shape good of shape but the weight gain was caused by probably me using the cope using that as a coping mechanism for comfort um in that in that mental illness part of me. Um, and I used a lot of other different things, medications, um, whatever I could use to just numb how I was feeling. And it just snowballed into making things worse. It never made anything better. Um, and I, I'm here to say that what I do now does make it better. I, I mean, I struggled to the point where I had to go away. And I lived on a farm uh, with other combat veterans and people with PTSD and substance abuse issues. And we got hardcore therapy in the afternoon and we fed the animals in the morning and I lived with them. And that was my only responsibility. And it saved my life. It saved my life. It didn't, it didn't um, help me lose my weight, mm -hmm. but it helped me get my head together enough that I could fight for my life later on, fight for my health later on. Wow, what was that farm like? Well, you know, you'd wake up and you'd have a check-in. It, it was a legit farm. Uh, I had donkeys and other animals, and, and it was it was my responsibility to feed some of the animals in the morning. And mm -hmm. so that was on purpose, very therapeutic for soldiers and sailors to go there and just be in nature and, and be with animals. I mean, who doesn't love being with animals and and using that as you know a daily therapy i mean we all have dogs and cats and things like that and it was it was a great experience actually and i'm not ashamed of saying that i went away to get help because i wouldn't be here right now and i wouldn't be alive i would probably be dead and my children wouldn't be here and and i couldn't imagine that so whatever i had to do to get to this point i did and it's now all in the name of my children. I mean, they're here now, and I just want them to have the best father that they can possibly have. And that's one that's present, that listens to them, that, that teaches them lessons, and, and lives exactly how they say for, for them to live. Well, that, that's, that's it's hard much. for a lot of guys to it's hard for a lot of guys to get help. You know, it's hard for a lot of guys to admit that they, wanted, that they need that. Yeah. Um, so kudos to you for for doing that, and also for Thank you. letting other guys know that it's okay. You know, it's sometimes just one other person to talk to can say something in the perfect way that makes everything make sense. Absolutely. Like, hey, I've been in your situation. You see how I live my life now. You see that I'm a happy man. That I that I have these these things going for me, and that I I live a fulfilled life. Do you want that? And almost 100% of the time, of course, they're going to say yes. And then I'll say to them, well, you need to, to ask for the help if you need it. And that's the hardest thing for those fathers to 
to get over is asking for the help. It's like, no, I don't need that. I don't need to ask. Like, I'm strong enough to get through this. I can, I can just do it myself and, and get through it without, without asking for anyone's help. But mm -hmm. just as raising children takes a village, I think that rehabilitating an adult male um, from mental illness and other things, it takes a village too. And you need to ask for that help because no one, no one is just going to say, hey, that person right there walking down the street needs help and, and I want to help them. You have to ask for it. And until you do, you're going to be stuck in that in the, in the mud and, and you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to sink pretty much is what I'm saying. What took you from being at the farm and having, you know, going through that therapy to your decision to lose the weight? start running like what was that in between period for you okay so that's a good question actually because you know i said the the farm can i plug the farm's name yeah i don't care on-site academy is the name of the place and it, it's a beautiful place in massachusetts um yeah that took care of a lot of the mental issues that i was going through just just shame and guilt for the way that I, you know, the way that I had reacted to things and it, it really helped me a lot. And after that, I felt better mentally. But what was really debilitating to me after that was how much I weighed. And uh, I needed to take care of it. it. It was it was like I was halfway there, but not all the way there. And the the next piece to that puzzle was was for me to get back in shape. I mean, I, I'm a firefighter. Sometimes they are very, very blunt. And, uh, you know, I, I've been called fat. I've been called a lot of different things at the firehouse. Um, laughed at about, about my weight. Um, you know, light joking, but between guys, but it still gets to you on the inside. You might laugh at it. But on the inside, you go home and you're thinking about what they said and you grow almost resentful of it. Mm. And I, it, it was definitely a, a small catalyst to why I started. But now that I've lost the weight and I am where I am, I'm like maniacal on being the opposite for others. Like I, if you have an issue, I, I have respect for it. Um, I, I treat it with kid gloves. I treat it very gently and, and I'm serious about it. And uh, it's not a joke. It's not a joke that you're overweight. It's not a joke that you're struggling mentally. It's none of that is a joke because people are relying on us at this age. We have children, we have wives, we, we're in, a, in the community. We have professions, we have jobs. We, we, we're, we're leading another generation at this age. And I don't think that people in their mid thirties and forties really realize that all the time but i do and i want to be a helping hand to anyone that struggled like how i did and and everyone has struggles like that so i want to help everybody pretty much is what i'm saying anyone who's willing to get the help i want to lend them a hand and uh that's why i'm on your podcast and and that's why i'm all fired up about all this stuff because i'm on the other side now and I'm, I'm mentally and physically ready and willing to help others, especially fathers, 
gain their groove back however I can. I mean, I'm just starting out with this, but it's very important to me to not approach it how I was approached by other people in my circles. Where, where you know, I mean, there were times where I was laughed at, and I remember that. It hurts. I'm a prideful man. I, I feel... I feel a deep amount of respect for myself and uh, I wanted to show them. I wanted to show those people that took me lightly that that's not who I am. And now that I'm here, I think that those people that I'm, that I'm speaking of, they can't even look me in the eye. And it's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's but, nice to show people how far you've come. Yeah. Um, and it's hard whenever, you know, you one small treat from a you know you have good habits and you eat one cookie and then that turns into the next day having five and then before you know three months have gone by and you're a different person and then before you know it five years go by and you've gained 60 pounds and you look at yourself differently and yeah. that short little mouth pleasure turns into a completely different change in identity and it honestly turns you into a different person yeah and then you go from enjoying something to, you know, hating the way you look. And then that snowballs into a whole myriad of mental and emotional issues for guys. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I've, I've never been severely overweight. Um, but like during, especially when my kids were really young and I was working too much, that was my biggest thing. Whenever I was at work too much, I didn't have time to go to the gym. I didn't, but you know, before when I had that problem, I was up and down with my weight um, yeah. and because I, I could not get the time under control. And that affects every part of you. Like you, I did the same thing you did. Like I just, there was probably, I went from checking the scale three times a day, making sure I was in great shape to not looking at it for like nine months because I didn't want to see what it said. Yeah. You know, I, I know what All that's like, nothing. you know, you, you just don't want to see yourself. Yeah. And that can really tear you up on the inside. Like, what do you remember about the, not to dig too deep, but like, what do you remember about when you were at your heaviest? Like, what were some of those internal feelings? Well, the internal feelings probably, that's, that's another good question. Uh, you're very good at these podcasts, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, what was my internal speech, speech to myself when I was that? It was nothing positive. It was, it was like probably the, the deepest, dirtiest, nastiest things that you would, that you would never say to someone else. You, you would say that to yourself, those horrible things, mm -hmm. but it's not something that you would ever think in a million years to say to someone else that's in your situation, but to yourself, for some reason you justify it and you think about it and you're like, you're nothing. You, 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 and then you look at other people and especially now with social media everybody's perfect on social media. Everybody's got their stuff together on social media and they have a snapshot of the perfect moment. And then here you are at 300 pounds or whatever you are and you know how you feel inside. And then on top of that, you're on social media and you're looking at perfection all day or, or figurative per perfection. And it plays mind games on you. And it's, it makes you even more debilitated than you were before. So social media, I don't think do, does anyone who's struggling in that way any favors physically, like with weight. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think social media does any favors for that. And yeah, my mind talk was nothing but negative, which made it even harder to make the change because you're just, you're constantly in your own head about you. You're not good enough. You're not, you're not this person and you're not like this person. Not only that, uh, again, I have to bring up the firefighter thing. I'm a firefighter. It, it is my responsibility. There, there's house fires. Not as many, t- not as many as before in the past. It's gone down a lot, but there's house fires. And when the bell rings, and it's two o'clock in the morning, and there's there's children stuck inside of a house, and they're waving a towel out the window, screaming for me to come in and help them. Do you want a 300-pound firefighter trying to go in there, struggling to put on his air tank, and maybe not even making it up the stairs before they're out of breath trying to save that child? Or would you want someone who's like me, who, who is like this now, and I have full capacity to go in there and snatch you out? And uh, that's, 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 that's a definite important thing that I kept thinking about when I was 300 pounds the bell's going to ring. I'm at the firehouse. I'm this weight. There's children out there that could be in a fire or adults, whoever, humans in a fire. And it would be my responsibility to save them. And could I? And the answer at that time probably was no. And that's a horrible feeling. I'm being paid to do a job that, you know, people are relying on on this person. They don't know what you look like, but they're for sure that you you are strong enough to get them out of this fire when they need the help, when the bell rings. And I was not, probably not able to do that at that time. Thank God it never happened when I was that weight. But now I can walk into work and, and I know I'm ready to go when the bell rings. I, I'm I'm there and it's a good feeling. I didn't have that feeling when I was 300 pounds. It, it, it added to the anxiety that I had at, at that weight, at, given my profession. So did you run into specific problems because of your weight at, at your job? Well, you know, there'd be times where we would, we would you know, sometimes when there's a, a, a foreclosed house, on, a house out there or or a house that's going to get demolished, they'll give the fire departments a month or so to do training in the house and just basically beat the crap out of the house and then light it on fire even, or have Mm -hmm. small contained fires inside to do training in there. And uh, I've done those trainings in those those houses being 300 pounds, and it is not fun to be in, in that gear with how much the gear weighs. Now you're 400 pounds. And you're wearing an oven mitt, um, basically, throughout your whole body. Um, and and you're in there, and you are not in the shape that you should be. And it just is, a, like like I said before, it's a mirror in front of you showing you that you, you're not doing the right things. And once you become a father, you know you want to be doing the right things because you want to go home and hold your head high about the example that you're setting for your kids. And I was not doing that at that time. And that's what makes me so proud to to be in the place that I am now. And talking to you, I mean, none of this would have happened if if I didn't make that change. And uh, it was all because of my children, really. That's one of the hard parts for fathers, I think, to to grasp, to learn. And 
you know, it's not that any of us have the perfect solution, but whenever you think how to become a better father, like I'm sure one of the things people Google, one of the things men Google is how can I be a better dad? And the first thing that should come up is you need to make yourself a better person because as we're talking, as we've been saying, you have to be a role model to your kids. The best way they're going to learn is not what you're saying, it's what you're doing. So yes. if you want the absolute best strategy for how to be a better father, it's be a better you. And then after that, whatever you say is just cake. That's it. That's it. Because it, it, And it makes it so simple. It, it, it makes it almost absurdly simple because it just what your blueprint that you just laid out, you basically just said, live your life the way that, that you should live it and the rest will take care of itself. That's basically what, what that lesson is. Just live your life in a way that you're proud of. And the children part will kind of follow suit, at least you hope. But yeah, I mean, you live your life a certain way and your kids are sponges. They watch you. They look at you. They look at what you're doing. They look at what you're eating. They look at how you talk to other adults too. Um, I, that's another thing I wanted to touch on. I think that you know, when you're talking to another adult, I don't think that men men really realize, or parents in general, that the kids are watching you talk to that person. And, and then you'll see them a few days later, and they're using words that you used with another mm -hmm. adult, or they're, they're speaking with their hands like you were. Yeah. And uh, so, so it's just that thing right there is one of the things that, that I would say for fathers to watch is just how you're speaking to adults, other adults. Um, what you're eating in front of your kids, what you're drinking in front of your kids. Um, if you drink alcohol in front of your kids, I would limit that to a, to a tiny amount. You don't want to, you know, you don't want your son to be talking to the kid at school. Yeah, my daddy, he, he drinks this stuff called Bud Light or Budweiser all the time on the couch. He loves it. You know, you don't want that stuff to come out with your kids and have that related to you as a father. So, I mean, it's very important uh, to conduct yourself in a respectable way in every aspect of your life in front of your children. And you know this, but I mean, it's important to say it again. Yeah. I mean, and I, 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 I drink occasionally. I have a cigar occasionally. And I yeah. think it's, it's important that, you know, our kids understand how to, you know, how to relax, how to enjoy themselves, and yeah. how to be how to be balanced, and yes. um, you know, but also how to work hard, how to like you said, eat healthy, all those all those things. Yeah, and it's tough for sometimes dads don't want to hear that. You know, sometimes anyone who's push who is pushing that message of guess what, if you want to be a better dad, you've got to be a better you. A lot of times, whenever you put that message out there, you get some defensive men and that's understandable because you're kind of challenging what they think about themselves and their way of living mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of times you'll be watching like a video on instagram and you'll see someone make a reel or make a video with a specific point and you think they're talking to you directly specifically you think this guy's this, yeah you're like this guy's talking to me i don't agree with that or i do agree with that but no it's you know it's a message for anyone that can connect with it and a lot of times 
you know, guys do not want to hear that, that it's a tough message to, to take down that, yes, if I want to be a better dad, I do have to change some of the things I do about myself. Yes. And it's understandable that that can get some pushback, that that can be um, taken in not a great way because you're asking people to change what they do. And especially as guys, a lot of times we don't like to change our habits and we're, we're pretty set in stone with the way we like to live our life. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. You know, it'd be nice to have a magic pill or read a book that says this is how you be a great dad and have that fix everything and you can just spout off a couple pearls of wisdom. But it's like, no, man, if you need to start working out an hour every day, then guess what? That's gonna That might make you unhappy some days of the week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and it's not just one specific blueprint for each for all fathers all encompassed obviously and i don't i don't think that was the point that i was making that this is the way you need to be and you can have the beer you can have that balance obviously but in front of your children you need to be calculated with what they see because they're sponges and they're gonna take it and run with it and uh and all i was saying is fathers out there should probably just just be more try and be more careful with what they say and do in front of their children and i think that it they'll reap the benefits later on with how their kids uh conduct themselves jeff how long do you expect to be doing your 5k a day <laughs> i i don't know as long as it's inspiring people um, I'm, I'm so maniacal with it and it's to the point where I don't think about the difficulty of it or, or how, you know, oh, this is so hard and how, you know, those things I think about, is this inspiring people? And if it is, then, I'll, then I'll keep going so that I can spread the secondary messages that I'm trying to spread. Like I am right now. I mean, I'm using that as a podium to put my face out on the internet so that I can tell my story it's a story that's very relatable and I care. I care about other men and other fathers that, that possibly went through what I went through or similar ways. And that maybe they're still down and out and they can look at my face and see me on here or on the internet in general and just say, he did it. And, and I know that I can, I know that I could. And, and, it, and it puts it into their mind and it starts to change in motion just by me saying my story. Um, and, and so the answer to your question is, as long as it's making a difference, I'll do it for, I'll go as long as I can. But realistically, I'll have to change it up, you know, sometime and, and change what I'm doing. Uh, and I will when I'll deal with that when it comes, but I'm definitely going to hit three years. Okay. I'm definitely going to hit three years. That's coming up in um, like two, two months or something. I, I, yeah. I'm not good at the math, but it's, it's probably like 60 days or something from now I'll hit three years. That'll be a big milestone for me. And then I'll play it by ear after that. It's just, uh, I want to keep inspiring. So, and this is the ball just started rolling with this and snowballing every single day. And I'm like, I can't stop now. I can't stop now. And I love to run anyway. And I love being out in, in nature. If you've seen my reels, uh, Rumley runs daily is my Instagram handle. 
Um, if you've seen my reels, I love being outside. I love getting after it. And I love to write my captions and my stories. Um, and, and, and I think that there's people out there that it's resonating with and it's, it's getting me fired up even more. I haven't been this fired up since I was a kid. Um, and it's good because it, it pays dividends for my family too, because they see a happy father who's inspired, who's on fire about something that he's passionate about. And, and it makes them curious about what they're passionate about. And I ask them all the time, like, you know, daddy loves to run. What do you love to do? What is it that, what is it that you love? And, and if they don't have an answer to it, they will. And, but I just keep introducing it to them. What's your passion? What's your passion? What, what do you like to do? Daddy likes to do this. And I like to lift weights and I like to help people. And daddy helps people at the firehouse. What do you like to do? What's your passion? So it, it pays dividends. What I'm doing pays dividends for my family. And in turn, that will, will allow me to get through a lot of egregious situations with this and keep going because it, it's, it's a positive thing in the end for all involved. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're providing an excellent model for dads all over the world and especially, most importantly, your family. And that's the, uh, I think that's the best final statement you can make about what you're doing. I appreciate that. So where can people, you mentioned your Instagram handle, where, where do you want them to find you? I want you out there to find me at Rumley Runs Daily, which is, Rumley is my last name, R-U-M-L-E-Y, Runs Daily. And I post reels um, seven days a week. Uh, two times a week, I do a treadmill 5k when I'm at the firehouse for my 24 hours and I, and I post a CrossFit workout on those days. And then the other five days of the week, I am usually posting at between 10 and 11 o'clock at night after I finish my 5k, I post it, I have a topic for the night and, uh, that topic has to do with a myriad of different things, but it's all about, um, helping yourself be a better father or parent or person in general. And uh, that's with, with the real every night. And sometimes I do field trips on my runs when I have time and I go to historical places around the Boston area. Uh, if you didn't hear at the beginning of the podcast, I live in Boston and I kind of take runs or 5Ks around historical areas around around here in uh I, I explain those in the captions, like I did Fenway Park, and then after I did the Fenway Park 5K, I wrote all about Fenway Park neighborhood in that, and so you get a little history lesson, and a little inspiration, and a little bit of running content with my stuff. Perfect. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been Thanks, a pleasure. Chris. Very glad we had you on. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, if you ever need someone else to come on, I'm always fired up to talk about these things. Yeah, whenever you hit uh, your uh, three-year goal, we'll have you back on. Yeah, have me back on at three years. That works, man. Thank you.